welcome to the Learn Perform Mixtape. I'm your host for this podcast, Laura Pasquini. I created this podcast to prepare me and maybe you for the Certified Professional Learning and Performance Exam, the CPLP. These series of podcasts will be my open study notes. Welcome to the learning. In this episode 7.7, we're going to talk about maximizing workplace diversity. So what approaches and initiatives should talent development professionals consider to leverage diversity in the workplace? How can talent development focus on diversity issues related to race, ethnicity, gender, age, disabilities, learning preferences, interests, and culture? This is Area of Expertise 7, Integrated Talent Management, part of that. And we're going to talk about really the big word of what is diversity, define that. And these learning objectives are looking at the following things, comparing and contrasting high context and low context cultures, and discussing how communication differs when dealing with each of these. Explaining considerations regarding personal space and workplace diversity training, listing two strategies that are used to create diverse workforces, and providing examples of needs of different generations and how may affect or impact career planning programs and any sort of training. Identifying strategies that could be used to facilitate inclusion in multicultural and multi-generational environments. So, this section uh, was not that long, and that's kind of disappointing. So I'm hoping in the next CPLP update or when we look at the competencies, these get broadened a little bit because I think um, this is a really critical part of any sort of work culture and workforce. Um, so I put in and dropped in a really important, I think, a step-by-step guide. And I liked this article from Ideal. It's called Workplace Diversity Through Recruitment. I think it starts with how you and who you and where you hire, right? So 57% of recruiters have strategies to attract diverse candidates. And this step-by-step guide I include is online. You can download it as well. It goes through the benefits of the diverse workplace, challenges, how to increase workplace diversity, how to hire technology tools for increasing, and a summary of this. So I thought it was really important, but it really matters who you hire. And, and also in the notes, I put another bonus read just around this topic. Um, it's a couple years old, but it's still relevant because performance drivers, diversity does matter. And it matters at the top. So McKinsey did a study that found that companies in the top quartile of executive board diversity had returns on investment on equity that were 53% higher than those in the bottom quartile. So more organizations with more female executives are more profitable. And that was back in 2016. So we're looking at that in terms of attracting more than just gender and race, but thinking about different experiences and what they all bring to the table. So I'll talk about each section of what they've classified, and diversity has a lot of connotation. So people are often thinking about it in just some of um, those physical things, but it's more than just that. It's a cultural awareness and training materials and software and things that you use um, should be considered for global use because more of our industries are organizations are reaching a global audience. They're more connected in other ways. So training with peers and professional learning in those areas will help you to identify multilingual and multicultural participants and keeping them in mind. So culture arises from shared behaviors, values, and beliefs shaped by factors such as language, religion, cuisine, music, and more. Culture really does impact and influence the value society puts on both individualism versus group versus group action, tolerance for uncertainty, and willingness to take risks or a way of interacting with one another. So this does impact how you create training experiences. And think about learning factors such as how your participants will communicate with each other, interact, and what this means. So for example, in the US and Canada, Australia, learners really like to get to the point and know quickly where things are going, versus some other European countries might want a more structured approach 
Or if you're thinking about some of our countries in Asia, they might prefer to master the theory before digging into facts. So there's a really good book that was mentioned, Developing Localization-Friendly E-Learning by Kiernan McBrien. And these are some suggestions he offers. Um, one example of differences will be the power and uh, distance and differences. So high power cultures emphasize more traditional student-teacher kind of relationships. So I'm, an example was, I'm thinking about uh, my students that came over from mainland China. Uh, we had to let them know uh, when they were starting some of their schooling before they entered into, I was at the University of Toronto at the time, it's okay to ask questions in class. Often they look to the instructor, the educator as the authority figure, and they don't want to question them because that's uh, sort of like questioning authority. So talking about setting challenges up and identifying who and what cultures are there and what the expectations are, whether they're in your current country or like they are in the U.S. or if they're somewhere else. So setting up a framework of high power versus low power. So high power uh, distances have formal relations, formal relationships, high dependence, very teacher-oriented uh, sometimes could, could be considered impersonal, uh, status is an emphasis, a fixed approach, and conformity. So if you think about um, countries and cultures that fit that, that's where they fit in. Um, and if you have anyone in your workplace from any of those cultures, that may be something to consider. Low power distance might have more informal relationships. So low dependence is more learner-oriented, highly personable, um, equity is emphasized, and there's variable approaches and an opportunity to experiment and learn. And it's is really critical. So cultures such as languages and dress are also immediate apparently, but things such as attitudes and about age, personal space, work and time and reactions to authority, they're going to be different and more subtle and not be able to see. A couple other areas that got brought up were around gender equality. So in the US specifically, Civil Rights Act of 1964, uh, we did not do well with gender and discrimination in the workplace. Sadly, in 2019, approaching 2020, we're still struggling with that. So revealing that uh, women still, in particular, experience discrimination and pay disadvantages and pay scales and often don't advance. And then we have people of color who are women or identify as women also are still behind that dollar marker, um, behind any men in, that's equivalent in their same roles. So it's slowly being worked on and there's inequity issues, so we're still not there, but the importance of gender does vary by country, nationality, culture, and more. I put a couple examples to episodes where um, I have a podcast called In Vino Fab in Wine Story, and we talk about women and work and their passions and things like that, where we've discussed pay equity, pay scale, and some variations that we're still struggling with today. So if you want to check those out, that's some bonus lessons for you. Each InVinoFab episode will also have notes extensively and resources that you could also read and review if that's something you're interested in. So moving on to race awareness, um, diversity and awareness can only help the bottom line is a big factor and push, but really I think the CPLP guide is a little bit out of date and I do hope in the next um, update of the competencies, the Association for Talent Development is working on that. Um, they look at organizations not only who embrace or consider this um, diversity, equity, inclusion as a side thing, but as part of the efforts. Talent management wants to enhance both individual um, development and organizational mission, vis visions, and goals. How can they not do this by understanding uh, more about um, bringing people together on their similarities? So they talked about similarities and differences. So I'm going off script of what's in this guide here because 
I really think bringing awareness to any racial issues and inequities it really allows different viewpoints to be heard and had because we're in some power structures that have been developed by uh, some people in power, white men, right? So we have to think about attracting and retaining the best and brightest candidates from all cultures and backgrounds. I think increasing... Um, our customers will matter if they see demographics and see themselves in the roles that are being there to develop products, services, and more. Employees learn to communicate and truly understand one another uh, when they are with different people, of people of backgrounds, um, not only just racial, but cultural, experiential, country, language. And this becomes a more innovative, responsive, and productive team to work on. We know the expansion of job candidate pools and the criteria for hiring and promoting employees really require fair opportunities. And we want to increase engagement um, to also increase employee retention and opportunities for promotion within an organization. Any sort of diversity initiative should be embedded to foster a range of diverse and different perspectives and results to make better decisions. So innovative product development only gets better with better customer service, expansion to new markets, and understanding of other needs. So beyond, uh, if you have someone coming into your organization and they're the one person who's different from everyone else, how does that inform what you're doing? Overall, organizational performance improves when people are encouraged to overcome cultural misunderstandings and appreciate differences, right? Employees feel more valued and they tend to be more productive and will contribute to what the company's mission is and their roles. They'll enjoy being there. The next area that was talked about in terms of difference was generational. They say that there's four to five generations of work together, depending on where you're working in the world. So if you haven't listened to 7.3, the career development theories approaches, I talk a bit more about that. That being said, talent development professionals want to strive to raise uh, workplace awareness of diversity and differences. So how can generations approach work and how do they approach and perceive work differently? So identifying what this looks like and preventing a conflict should encourage a cooperative workspace regardless of the generation. The personal space, this is a cultural item, so space between individuals vary. So this was talked earlier as I got into a little bit around training. So personal space mentioned before, Hall has defined in four spatial proximities and relations, right? So intimate, those friends and partners are about 18 inches away. Personal, 18 inches to four feet are family and close friends. Uh, for social, it's usually four to 12 feet, those coworkers, social acquaintances, and public is 12 feet plus speakers and entertainers. And that's typically found in the US. Other cultures might have closer talkers, closer people who want to sit beside you. Um, so just be aware of that. The other awareness is around disability. I never called it disability until I came to the US. We always called it access or accessibility. But in the United States, I will say this section focused on that primarily is the Americans with Disabilities Act of 1990, ADA. So this act came about to think about how we imp implement um, different services. So ADA prohibits discrimination in employment, public services, transportation, um, public accommodations, telecommunication services, and more. This includes aspects of employment, like your job applications, selection process, on-the-job training, wages, benefits, and employer-sponsored social activities. It also has an impact on learning and development. So you need to make sure that you're designing their trainings and learning solutions to offer all professionals access the essential 
things they need to both function and the job and improve. So an example um, that I know from my own learning design is closed captions on videos and offering transcripts for any media, whether it's audio or video. So it's accessible in different formats and it can be modified. So if it needs to be in a larger print or it needs to be in a different modality, it's just thinking about multimodal approaches for learning. So this is supporting any sort of aid with learning uh, disabilities and leveling the playing field so everyone has access. Implications for multiple languages also differ. So for different learning experiences, it'll be helpful to trainers to think about learning materials in multiple languages. So it's great to have the fluency and they often hire different um, learning development areas. People who are fluent in that language directly because it's gonna matter for translation purposes. You can't just put it into Google Translate. That's ridiculous and often inaccurate. So you really wanna ensure you're reaching folks for um, the different needs that they have. So helping them to learn and talent development focuses on the language aspect in three different areas. So one is accent and linguistics. Whether it's an accent, a pronunciation, or articulation of words, offering training in multiple formats allows the same language to go through. So English is complex and we have a lot of expressions or ways we say things. Uh, so an example I brought up before is my niche in the US when it's niche, uh, if you're very specific in an area. Um, but we also have different ways that we um, have gross translation errors. So that's the second one. They're relatively frequent and usually easiest to detect. So this could be for a global organization where the simple translation is incorrect. And so one word is interpreted one way. And so I think uh, the body of work, someone might say the corpse of this. And so they don't mean a corpse which is a dead body, but they mean the body in French. So thinking about mistranslations as well, when you bring it to um, a certain language. And then the nuance, when two parties do not have similar command of the language, mild distinct distinctions between meanings can lead to many big misunderstandings. So I think offering and thinking about um, training materials in different languages, properly translated, and also checked is really critical. And keeping any sort of phrasing out of there and offering in different modes is helpful. So it's great that if you have a lecture or someone presenting on video or screencast, but also have that in written language so someone else of a different pace can download a transcript and review, can read the um, printed files, and also potentially have a transcript on closed captions as well. Facilitation of occlusion is the last section. They talk about um, including new cultural ideas and identities for various groups who are part of your talent management plan. So we have multiple layers and multiple identities. So this is really important to look at the training, analysis, and planning for all em employee development programs. Um, HR functions and top management may need to develop a strategy to interview and hire differences to broaden diversity in the organization. So this may be a strategic goal and an effort to recruit and onboard and bring more people in to um, allow for new ideas to come into a company that's um, not has not had that in the past. So there's two approaches, and I probably disagree with one of them that was mentioned, but one of them is specifically um, minimizing differences in the org and bringing everyone to a common focus or vision and just not really recognizing or appreciating any diversity. I don't think that helps uh, for me. I do think it does strive towards a common mission, but organizations that don't build awareness and celebrate cultural differences are excluding a big chunk of their growing organization that has a different point of view, a cultural reference, or a background that might be helpful and useful for the organization. So you really want your employees to participate 
fully in that organization. Differences across cultures and groups offer the opportunity to look at new approaches, take a different perspective. It creates awareness and models new ways, and maybe even offers targeted solutions or training opportunities for other employees. I think that a step-by-step guide is really great to think about the workplace diversity through recruitment onward, and that step-by-step guide is great. What other ways are you thinking about uh, recognizing, maximizing diversity of talent? I'd love to know if you're doing this in practice or as you started studying this, what did you look at um, to identify strategies and approaches to think about um, how you're addressing these nuances and cultural differences and highlighting and creating awareness or celebrating that? Let me know. Thanks for listening to the Learn Perform Mixtape. If you're liking this podcast, subscribe, tell a friend, give me a like and give me a review. If you're studying for the CPLP or you have already, let me know. I'd love to chat and I'd love to get your advice. Comments, questions, thoughts, and love are always welcome. And I have my details in every episode notes. So please reach out. Let's connect.